You're listening to Fire Trainers Podcast, Season 4, Episode 2, published on September 12th, 2022. In this episode, we'll be talking to Matthew Mallory from PS and Ed about changes in New York's law affecting instructors. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and sit back and relax for this week's episode. This episode is brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to know more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. And remember, for listening to this podcast, you can get 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by KSG Holsters. They're professional-grade Kydex handcrafted here in the United States of America. They're available for a large variety of firearms. They're purpose-built one-by-one for comfort and concealability. All KSG holsters are Enigma-compatible. There are a lot of customization options, so you can order the holster that fits your needs exactly. Remember, KSG holsters. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Matt Mallory from PS and Ed. Welcome, Matthew, and thanks for taking time to share your knowledge with our audience. Thanks for having me. It's always awesome to hang out with you, sir. Definitely. Ditto for uh, from my side, too. Uh, for those listeners who haven't listened to you in previous seasons, can you give us a little bit of your uh, background? Sure. Uh, let's see. Army vet from the 90s, current part-time law enforcement officer. I run a chief of one town. I do uh, the director of an academy for another town, as well as uh, certified rifle, pistol, shotgun, fence, tactics, taser, pepper spray on the law enforcement side, but then also NRA training counselor, USCCA senior training counselor, bunch of other pepper spray, taser instructor, master instructor certifications, travel the country and and teach uh, teach firearm self-defense, self-preservation techniques, as I like to say. There you go. That's good. Well, hey, Matthew, you sent out an email to your email list, which I'm on, uh, mm-hmm. thankfully. <laughs> and about the changes that are going in New York state, which completely blew my mind about how uh, crazy it is and wanted to have you on the show again to talk about these. Cause I think it's really important, not only for uh, the New York state instructors to understand uh, the changes that are coming and how they need to uh, change in order to comply with those, but also for other instructors to kind of understand, because I know, I'm always being asked questions about different states and what's going on there. And we need to be informed because we definitely don't want more of this kind of stuff spreading throughout the country because it's a, uh, it causes a little, let's just say it's a, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy bunch of rules and comply with it is going to be extremely difficult. Yeah. And, and I'm, um, I, I'm, I'm conflicted. I, I believe the second amendment does say well-regulated and that does mean well-trained but I, I don't think the government should mandate it. Problem is, people don't take it upon themselves to do it, and people die, you know, negligence with firearms and such. And I struggled with like, should I put a course together? Shouldn't I? I'm, if I don't put a course together, and nobody puts a course together, then people don't get their license at all. And in the interim, between now and the time that these all these lawsuits that are going forward against New York State, by the time they actually make it to maybe the Supreme Court or a court that actually sees it in our favor as us, us peasants down here, uh, it, it might be you know, thousands upon tens of thousands or more people that now didn't get a license or gave up getting a license because you know, they couldn't find an instructor or whatever. So I struggle with actually doing the putting a course together in the first place. But then I said, you know what, I'm going to put it together. I'm going to put time and money into putting this class together. Even if this, even if the the gun owners of America, if their case 
is told that, yep, okay, we're going to give you an injunction. On the night before the law goes goes through on September 1st, if they gave an injunction, I would have been like, okay, it was time and money. You know, I wouldn't look at it as wasted. I was prep preparing for the injunction not to go through. And if it went through, yes, we win second amendment. And if it didn't go through, I'm prepared to offer a course for the students, the my, my students and other people in the state to be able to administer for people to be able to go through the path that this tyrannical New York state government has imposed and put upon them. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the big change that New York state came out with that's uh, impacting <laughs> concealed carry uh, holders and uh, applicants? I would say the two biggest changes, one is going to be the 18 hours of training. And just for instructors out there, especially New York instructors, a lot of counties are getting it wrong. DCGS is going to come out and they're going to confirm if, if you don't know, but it is a 18 hour class. Now, why is it 18 hours? Well, I believe in my contact at DCGS kind of giggled when I said this, that is the most amount of training any state requires. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's Illinois and DC require 16 hours. 16, and correct. Are, and those are the most New York state just upped it to 18 hours. It's 16 in a classroom, two hours of live fire, 18 total. And some states or some counties in New York state are saying it's 16 hours and they're incorrect. I'm trying to correct them, but DCS is going to come out with an FAQ from, um, cause I let my contact to DCS know. And he goes, Oh no, nope. It's 18. Uh, and the state troopers are going to come out with another FAQ because the last one they came out with on the 27th of August was nine pages long because that's how many questions <laughs> people have. <laughs> Don't know how long his next one's going to be, but I'm assuming it's, you know, it's going to be of some substance for sure. So there's that. And then there's a sensitive location, sensitive places or restricted locations. And that's also uh, really troublesome because in upstate, we've at least got people that have unrestricted licenses. And even if you had a sportsman license, there's nothing in the law that says you couldn't carry places because sportsman was just an administrative restriction. And so there's people that would carry places that you know, the sportsman wouldn't allow them to hunting, hiking, camping, fishing, target shooting, competition shooting. And people are just like, yeah, it's a sportsman. I usually tell people don't play with the judge, try to get that sportsman restriction removed, even though it's administrative, that judge still does have power, blah, blah, blah. Um, but now it's like sensitive locations. Now New York, New York city can get an unrestricted license. Anybody that applies, as long as they don't have a felony, misdemeanor, crime, domestic violence, or some of the other things that they've added, such as DUIs and within the past five years, but you can't carry anywhere. So the license mm-hmm. says you've got an unrestricted license, but you're restricted to only carrying like where in on a public road or on a sidewalk, as long as that sidewalk does not have any kind of protest going on. Mm-hmm. Lunacy. Yeah. You, you, they added what they were, um, uh, subways, you, subways. you can't be in, can't, in public gatherings and homeless and shelters, mm-hmm. any place that sells alcohol. You don't even consume or buy the alcohol. If you go into a location that sells alcohol, any Walmart, any, Gas station, you stop to get gas while you're on their property. Are you going to get arrested? Class D felony, by the way, which another design by the state is to remove people's Second Amendment right to be able to carry because, oh, you were at a gas station getting gas and yeah, they sell ga- they sell alcohol. So sorry, we're going to have to charge you with a Class D felony. And when that happens, once you have a felony, you lose all your gun rights. Does New York go along in that the uh, gas stations uh, sell the low power uh, liquor, alcohol? Low power liquor? No, I haven't heard of that. I don't drink. I don't drink much. I, I I look at it this way. I mean, I know, you know, I'm not no not faulting anybody that drinks, but I try not to drink because I'm a lightweight, and I look at it. If I drink, I'm I don't really want to have a gun on me because mm-hmm. I was, you know if you're too drunk to drive, you're too drunk to shoot straight. That mindset, and I really don't want to bring a designated shooter with me. <clears throat> so, agreed. Yeah, I, I was just asking because like in Ohio, 
and I don't know specifically what the uh, alcohol content, but there are stores that can sell uh, low power alcohol, um, you know, and then you've got liquor stores that sell the high power stuff. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, okay, you can go and you can get, um, vodka, you know, at at maybe a a gas station, but it's not the top shelf vodka that that's Ah. the high power stuff. You go to the liquor store for that, which of course they're state run liquor stores, which a whole nother, um, issue for nothing like that in New York that I know of. I could be wrong. There might be stuff like that in New York city, but I'm, I'm not versed enough with that. So on these, uh, sensitive locations, when it's serving alcohol, that means that if I'm out and I go to a um, restaurant that mm-hmm. serves alcohol or has a bar somewhere in, on the uh, grounds, then yep. I can't carry in those locations. Yep. They serve it. They sell it. You can't carry in there. That's that's against the law, which is it, it's insane. Like there's nothing in the penal code even saying that if you have alcohol in your system, you're breaking the law. You literally could be plastered drunk and have a gun on you. And there's nothing in the law that I could charge or any other officer could charge you with. But now you go in that location and not even drinking and you're all of a sudden a felon. It's, it's, it's scary. It's scary how this is going. It'll get shut down in court, but how long is it going to take? NYSERPA case took seven years to make it to the Supreme court. Does this apply on private as well as public property? Like at, so, at your house? So if it's, if it's a business, let's separate private as far as, is it uh, home personal property or business yeah. property? So if it's business property, it's a sensitive location and you can't carry a gun in there unless it says, it's approved. Like there's a sign on the door that says, you know, conceal carry welcome. Now, if the owner says to you, yeah, like an FFL, what FFL is going to I mean, some might, but it's given you're going to be able to go in there to buy guns or, you know, whatever, go to a range. I mean, is a range going to have to put it? I mean, in some cases, it's kind of like, like, I'm not going to put one on my place. I think it's ridiculous. People come to my place to take classes and they bring guns. I mean, shoot, I was just talking to you down on the range today, shooting uh, for the USCCA instructor course. Uh, so if they don't put it and, but they give you explicit permission, it's fine. And that goes for personal property too. I always tell people, be careful, make sure that you have that, that owner of the business say, yes, you can carry here. Don't worry about it. Maybe ask them without a gun, right? Call them up. Hey, I'm coming by. I just want to make sure you're okay with me concealed carrying. Are, are you fine with that? You know, I record my conversation. So I'm going to have that recorded and in New York state, one party's got to know. So legally you can do that in New York state. So if you're listening in another state, make sure that, you know, you're not doing anything illegal in your state and recording a conversation when you're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other uh, sensitive locations uh, besides subways and, and uh, government buildings that they put on the, on the list of things? So for years, I've been telling people anything government-owned, alone, stay away from it. anything school-owned. Because some people are like, well, I can drop my kid off in the parking lot. I'm like, no, that's still owned by the school. So we say anything government-owned or school property, do not go there with any kind of weapon, any kind of weapon, pepper spray, taser, stun guns, guns, nothing. Go there, do what you got to do, get in and get out as quick as possible, because that's where bad guys go, especially governmental. Everybody hates government, right? <laughs> but when it comes to other locations, such as Times Square, can't carry in Times Square. Now you look at uh, homeless shelters. Once again, we talked about alcohol, any place sells alcohol, any public gatherings, anything where you're going to express your First Amendment rights. If it's a protest, if it's you know anything like anything like that. Uh, polling places, which, I mean, that kind of makes sense because it's government run, doesn't always happen at a government location, but it might be at a firehouse, uh, you know, it might be at a school. So if it's at a school or something like that, well, uh, once again, we revert back to my first rule, don't go any place in government alone or school with a gun or any any weapon. 
to not be charged with any kind of felony in, in those cases. Um, but yeah, so it's it, Times Square. I mean, it's Times Square. And the, the, Supreme, the weird thing is Supreme Court specifically told them they can't just call the entire you know, city of Manhattan a sensitive location. So what do they do? They go back and do that. Times mm-hmm. Square. Can't carry in Times Square. It's going to get shut down. Just how long it's going to take, I don't know. I think there's like now there's like five or six lawsuits going forward against New mm-hmm. York State. And from my understanding, um, I've got it from a good source that there's two more that are going to be rolled out. So in the next uh, week, uh, well, two weeks from the September 1st, I'm not going to say the company or the organization, but there's an organization that's rolling out a lawsuit specifically. And then they're, in two weeks after that, they got another lawsuit that they're going to roll out that's targeting uh, certain people that have been um, egregiously harmed by this law. So mm-hmm. they're, they're getting, New York State's getting bombarded. Problem is, New York State's using our tax money to be able to fight these lawsuits against the defendant. The yeah. They just, yeah. they just keep, keep uh, writing checks, you know, yep. to further. Does New York uh, go along and uh, enforce the thousand foot school zones around, around those locations? Uh, you know, so I was talking to somebody, I think yesterday that was saying something about the thousand foot school zone. And I know there's like California and stuff has that it, it, it's, it's interesting because technically you can't go on the property, but if you're within a thousand feet of it with a gun, such as a shotgun or a rifle, technically, and I, I haven't heard of anybody being charged. I've never had anybody come into court or that I've, I've, I've had to charge with something like that. So it's, it's kind of like adultery. Think of it that way. Adultery still in the penal code. Nobody ever gets charged with it. But if somebody was shooting up a store across the street and it's within a thousand feet of that school, then that could be something law enforcement would definitely throw on that person to be an add-on charge. Yeah, sure. I think what I've heard has mainly been if you're dealing drugs and yeah, you've got a right. you know, small quantity of drugs, they'll throw that on top of it because yeah. that makes sure that one of those two are going to stick and keep you uh, out of out of circulation for a while. And yeah. well. Right. And, and usually, typically, any felonies get pled down to misdemeanors, misdemeanor gets pled down to violation, violation gets pled down to, you know, slap on the wrist, pay a fine. Uh, so, yeah, any any prosecutor, any, any DA assistant district attorney is going to try to throw as much as they can at you to try to get as much to stick. But even on top of that, when you think of like the seven rounds, somebody's like, oh, you know, it's 10 rounds. But, well, a judge ruled that it's 10 rounds, but it's still in the law. They never removed it from the penal code. It still says seven rounds in your in your magazine. And they're like, well, you know, they're not going to just stop and check my magazine. I'm like, no, but what if you get in a car accident? Oh, what happens to your gun? Like, oh, yeah, law enforcement's going to come. They're going to take your gun. They're going to inventory it. They're not, you're not taking it because you did anything wrong. Totally inventory it and see that you got eight rounds in that magazine. Could they charge you? Absolutely. Are they going to? Probably not. But what if the car accident, you had alcohol in breath? Or what if? It was a road rage, incident, road rage incident and witnesses said they saw you ram the other car when maybe you rammed it because they rammed you first, but they only saw you ram them. Now you mm-hmm. got witnesses going against you and now you might get charged with road rage, you might get charged with, you know, whatever. And then they might throw that on. Now you got, now you got a misdemeanor charge of a gun charge, misdemeanor charge of having more than mm-hmm. seven rounds in your magazine. So I always tell people, just play it smart, multiples magazines, seven rounds in it. You'll never have an issue. It's my higher level of thinking. Play it so they yeah. cannot get you. Make that case so boring that DA says, yeah, it's not going to get me reelected. That's not going to get me the, the governorship. They just want to ignore your case and move on. Yeah, exactly. So when it comes to all these uh, the increase in training hours and comes to the sense of locations and things like that, mm-hmm. um, 
what does the instructor need to know? Um, because I was reading on your email that there's a bunch of other uh, additional training, that, uh, use of force, and um, yeah, uh, and those that you've got to be able to show that you've been trained on for your concealed carry license now. For sure. So, so to start out, and I think this is why we were talking before we started recording, we're talking about, um, NRA instructor training and such NRA pistol instructor and my NRA pistol instructor classes have kind of exploded because that's one of the requirements. You have to be an NRA instructor, excuse me, an NRA instructor in order to be able to teach the 18 hour course going forward now after September 1st. So there's a lot of people that are coming out of the woodwork saying, well, I need to get this certification. People that I've certified as USCCA instructors that now want to become NRA too, so that they have that credential to be able to teach it. Prior to that, it was all based on the county. The county could say, well, yeah, I know you, I like you, uh, you donated to my campaign, <laughs> whatever. I joke a little, but it's basically anybody that that county deemed you had the experience, military, law enforcement background, whatever reason, you didn't have to be have any specific thing. It was all county specific. Well, now it's state specific where you have to be an uh, NRA instructor. You have to be a 4-H instructor, which, okay, I don't, I didn't even know that that was a thing, but 4-H, four, uh, you have to be an officer of the military or an officer, uh, firearms instructor in the, in the military or Hunter at New York State DEC Hunter Ed instructor. No longer military law enforcement until July of next year. So July of 2023, then law enforcement firearms instructors can start teaching the course. Now, I don't know why my little aluminum tin hat here is thinking like, why would they like not put DCGS instructors in now? And maybe they're expecting them to be law enforcement to be tied up arresting people for committing felonies on locations they shouldn't be with a gun. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a conspiracy theorist, not, but Right now, it's just those four categories, NRA, DEC, 4-H, and officer or firearms instructor in the military next summer. So what does that mean? There's a lot of people on these county lists that have been teaching the handgun safety course for years that are no longer going to be able to teach that course. And there's a lot of law enforcement that have been teaching the course, moonlighting, making some extra money on the side, or have retired because I had two of them that I talked to yesterday that have retired law enforcement that never did the NRA pistol instructor course. So now they have to either do that or say, I'm done teaching. And one of them told me today, he goes, Hey, I'm done. I'm just telling them all to go to you, Matt. I'm like, Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, so it puts uh it, it's going to definitely put a pipe and you think about it too, as far as these instructors, I do this full time. How many instructors don't there's, I mean, I, there's only two I know of in Onondaga County where I live that actually teach classes pretty much full time. And I, you know, I'm doing it one to five times a week where some of these other guys are doing it, you know, once every other week, one class every, every other week. And it's a four hour class. So now you've got instructors that are part-time having to do an 18 hour class and fit that into their full-time mm -hmm. job, full-time job. Right. I really, I really think it's going to be a huge bottleneck. I really think that it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be good for us instructors that teach it, which, you know, it makes me sick to my stomach to say that because I, I'm not looking to, you know, make, be rich off this. Hence my price. It's the lowest right now. I was the first one in the state to, to offer the course publicly. And mine's three, $335 on the low end where I've got competitors that are within an hour from me that just released their pricing yesterday. It's I think 375 is what he's charging. And New York city just found out this morning, New York city's charging. There's a organization down there that's charging $795 for the course. That's New York City. So that's why yeah. I've got I've got eight people that have contacted me between last night and this morning that want to take the course from me. They're going to drive up from New York City to take it up here because they don't want to spend eight hundred bucks. They'd rather spend three thirty five with me. Mm -hmm. Yep. Anyway, that, 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 pay, that pays for a lot of gas. <laughs> yeah. Four hundred dollars. 
For mm-hmm. sure. And especially really? if I do it in a weekend or I do it on four weeknights, weekends, great. Cause they get, you know, come up early one morning, spend one night, go home late the Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about the uh, use of force and such? Um, is that, is that something you think a lot of instructors going to be uh, looking for? Cause is yeah. that a required part of it? It is a required part of it. So, you know, you got to cover, uh, cover escalation. You got to cover use of force, uh, not being in the location. You got to talk about standard ground, which New York state doesn't have. You got to talk about castle doctrine, which New York state does have. And so the reason I was able to put this course together so quick and roll it out so August 23rd, the state came out with the, the well, let me back it up. July 13th, I talked to my contact at DCGS. I said, you guys are coming out with the course. They go, well, we're not. It's state troopers and NCON are going to create the course. We're going to we're gonna manage it and, and put it out for all you instructors to teach. I'm like, okay, sounds good. When are you going to get it out? Well, our goal is before September 1st. I'm like, okay. Then August, August 23rd, so a little over a month later, this PDF comes out from DCGS saying us instructors have to come up with the course. I'm like, what? That's not what my buddy at DCGS said. So I'm like, so 23rd, two days later, 25th, I I had my course ready, ready to roll it out. Then I think a couple of days later, I'm teaching a course on that weekend. And the 27th, they came out with all the FAQs. And then I said, all right, I'm just doing it. So I think within four days of the 23rd, the PDF coming out, PDF coming out on the 23rd, I basically put my course together, published it nationally or, you know, telling everybody that, I, that I'm, I'm first instructor in the state to, to put it out. And uh, yeah, and immediately I started getting people to sign up, but I want to educate people. I don't want them to sign up for it and pay me to take the class unless they have to, or they want to. That's the other thing. Because I've had people say, well, what should I do, Matt? I'm like, well, you don't need the class. He goes, yeah, but I really think I want to do the training. And if if you want to do the training, I'm glad to have you in the class. But if you're not required to do it, I want to make that clear because I don't want you to take it and feel like you wasted your money or your time, which you won't because the training will be you know, spot on. Mm-hmm. But so the way I was able to do this is I looked at all the classes that I already teach. And I've been teaching use of force, you know, five-hour use of force, New York State law class for years. And I said, okay, that class is going to satisfy all the use of force stuff. My New York class, I I touch on that and gun safety, but it's just a four hour kind of a little bit of gun safety, a little bit of use of force. So that'll be the initial gateway class that I'll still continue to offer as a four hour block. So now I got four hours from that class. I got five hours from my use of force class. Well, then I'm like, okay, what national curriculum could I do? Because those are my custom courses. Thinking, hmm, well, USCCA, Concealed Carry Home Defense Fundamentals. That's a five-hour block, and the contents in there is good. And it's also overlapping what I already taught in the the, the prior nine hours. So now that's a five-hour block, and they get a USCCA National Instructor Certification. And hint, hint to all my fellow instructors out there, you also get your credit with USCCA, so you don't lose your instructor certification. Another mm-hmm. selfish selfish reason I, reason I put that in there as part of the curriculum. And then what do I got left? Well, two hours of holster, draw, and shoot, which class I've put on a while ago because most people shoot themselves when they draw and reholster. So I figured that'd be a good one. It's a requirement by New York State law that they do holster work. We teach them about holsters. So mine are with certs, sponsor of, of my shows, and bam, right? Now I'm doing two hours of teaching them about holsters, retention, drawing, shooting, reholstering, two hours. And then when they're done with that, they do two hours of live fire and they're all done. So really all I had to come up with truly was I had to add uh, suicide, because that was a requirement under New York State law. I have to talk about the sensitive locations, which is a requirement. So I just added one slide for sui- or three or four slides on suicide, a couple slides on the sensitive locations, and then I had to create the live fire you know, course at the end. Mm-hmm. Do they have a specific live fire requirement? <laughs> course of fire? 
Yeah. So uh, another good source of mine told me that the the Bruin, the one that was sued by Nyserpa and lost, uh, he in a room with a bunch of other people, and it was a select group of people that were selected. And one of these f- friends of mine was selected to be in that room. He said that he goes, I don't want this to be something somebody could fail. So I want to make it as easy as possible th- for them to be able to pass this, this course of fire. Four yards. So 12 feet, five rounds fired, four have to hit the target. And guess how big the target is? Uh, B-27. Uh, 20, well, pretty much. Uh, 25 and a half inches by 11 inches in size. Right? Yeah. So Four out of five at 12 feet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually, I was going to do it today, but I ran out of time. But I'm actually going to shoot it one-handed, blindfolded, just to show people that it can be done. We'll see how close of a grouping I can get at 12 feet, one-handed. Well, and then you take into account, okay, is that my feet at 12 feet or is the muzzle at 12 feet? Because if I press that gun out, that's at least two feet there. So is it really 10 feet or now do I lean into it? So is that nine feet? And if, <laughs> and if I came by and shoot it, I've got yeah, right. prob- probably, you know, six inches on you. Exactly. You know, right. Arm length. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll mark the line on the floor and say, put your toes to the line, which is standard. Right. And then, you know, however, you know, if they press the gun out in front of them and they're now three feet closer to the target four in your case. Yeah. You basically just like do this Angelina Jolie salt and just whip the bullets out of the gun and hit the target easily. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's good that it's not that bad of a course of fire. Um, I'm glad that non-lethal training ammunition, they're allowing that because that was going to be another concern was ranges would have a hard time. It'd be in flux of ranges because some ranges don't allow instructors to come in and make money teaching courses. Right. And, and New York city's got what I think seven or 11 ranges total within like New York city and long Island or something. Maybe that's gun stores. I don't know, but it's very limited amount of ranges down there. So to be able to use UTM, what I'm going to use ultimate training munitions that, you know, that's going to be a better option to be able to do it pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, and you're doing UTM instructor training. I am. And I'm, yes. Yeah, well, yep. I'm the currently the only only master instructor on the civilian side for UTM, and I do the UTM civilian force on force instructor certification. Travel around the country. I think we're over 125 or something like that instructors I've certified just since December. So a little less, a little less than a year. And if anybody wants to go along and. Uh, Get a little bit more information on UTM and season one, episode 71. We actually have uh, J- Jeremy Hassenkamp on yeah. who talks about uh, UTM, how they can be used. Uh, very flexible type of uh, tool to, to be used. Um, I will say this. They're not necessarily cheap unless, <laughs> of course, the price of ammunition goes up, but then they're pretty much the same price. So, you know, it all depends upon what the economic con- uh, conditions are, but they are, uh, sure. they definitely do, uh, work out and they help, uh, mm-hmm. they, ha- they help train that muscle between your ears or your students' ears to really understand what they're, what they're dealing with. Yeah. I'll always tell people it's an investment. You know, it's definitely an investment. Start out, start out small, get what, get what you can get to at least get some drills and stuff done. But people in the class, I actually go over like your mindset. You really have to think about, uh, how can I integrate this stuff into a, into a class? How can I integrate this stuff and make a new class something that I don't teach already to get people in? And I'll I'll say you can do you know sibling squabbling solver. Bring your husband and your your brother and sister in. You, you guys get to do a duel and shoot it out, or you know marriage saver, and you and your wife get to shoot the shit out of each other. Yep. You know that kind of thing. But it's it's you, know, you can be creative and actually make it fun, but also educational to people. And it's like 
their slogan, UTM slogan is as real as it gets. It's the closest thing to a, a real gunfight that you're going to get into. And you really see the rubber meets the road and that, you know, that pucker factor happens in, in those kind of classes for sure. Yeah. Force on force. I always see the, uh, everybody's eyes you know, light up when they see, you know, it never goes, they're never quick enough. They mm-hmm. never quite guess exactly when everything's going to happen. And they really realize how much or how far behind the curve they are that, why we as instructors talk to them about moving off the X about going along, you know, the, the first thing you should do is not trying to, you know, shoot, but trying to, trying to get in their OODA loop so that you move and they've got to reorient themselves as you're getting your gun out into, into the fight. Cause if you stand there and get your gun in the fight, they're going to be the first ones to shoot obviously, and probably going to hit you. So, you know, force on force definitely gives, opens your eyes to a lot of those, uh, thinking and train that muscle between the ears. For sure. Yeah. I, I had coffee with Tom Gibbons quite a few years ago and, and, you know, and I, I made the reference, you can't, you, you can't draw on a drawn gun, which is something we see in the industry. And he's like, bull, bull crap. I drew on somebody's gun. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you're Tom Gibbons though. I mean, that, that was, you know, that's a good thing that it was Tom and it did it because maybe not. I'm, I'm personally me. I'm, I'm a quick, fast shot, but I don't want to find out that I wasn't quicker or faster than the bad guy. So I'm going to probably err on the side of caution and not look like a threat and maybe get their attention to look a different way, right? Their OODA loop and get them mm-hmm. to, to avert their gaze to another way before I decide to pull my gun. I don't, I don't really want to be in a quick drama gras situation like Tom was. So thank God he, uh, he, he prevailed in that situation back when he was a cop, a beat cop. Yeah, I went to class with uh, Dave Spaulding. Uh, he went mm-hmm. along and was talking about, you know, everybody was trying to get to the one second draw, you know, to that mm-hmm. shot. And he went along and said, if you got somebody who, sh- who draws in one second, somebody draws in two seconds, who's going to get shot? And, you know, of course, everybody's like, well, you know, the guy who's drawing uh, slower. Second. And he's like, actually, both of them are going to get shot because your body doesn't have enough time to react to that you've been shot to go along doing anything else so if you're in the middle of drawing and you end up get shot unless it's you know in your hand or 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 something muscular you know or skeletal to where your hand uh, can't complete the function you're gonna uh, you're gonna finish the function that you've thought about and then you're gonna realize hey i've just been shot in my stomach or in the chest or you know some other something along those lines and that's one of those things i've always gone along and told my students you know go along and realize you've got to move to prevent yourself from, uh, you know, the lead that's coming down range at you. Yeah. I always tell officers when I, when I certify police and peace officers here in New York state, whether it's the Academy or in service training, you know, the, the three things that are going to keep you alive, wear your vest, get off the X return fire. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's good though. When he, you know, he says both are going to get shot, uh, you know, moving and then, and then using, well, like we were talking earlier, MVP of tools, the Lord bestoweth upon us, your mm-hmm. mind, your voice and your physical. So if you're using your mind and thinking like, okay, if I scream at this person, that might throw them off enough where they miss the shot, they jerk the shot, you know, so I'm, I'm using my mind to think of other ways that I can throw them off their, you know, observe, orient, decide, and act their OODA loop. So that way I can get a shot on them possibly before they can get one on me versus just standing there in an old school, old school duel where some, both are going to get shot, but which one got shot worse is going to die. I mean, it's, that's <laughs> Dude, out in the okay corral did not end, end well. <laughs> <laughs> right That's for sure. exactly what are you doing for uh use of force and uh, uh for in your in your courses sure so i i crafted my own and, and that really came about because i had a lot of students asking questions what if this that and 
Unfortunately, a lot of students don't understand that come to take the handgun safety class that it's a handgun safety class. And the majority of counties don't want people who don't know what the heck they're talking about to talk about use of force. Well, fortunately, I know what I'm talking about with my education and training in law enforcement and such, uh, and all the studies and the reading and the videos that I've watched and whatnot, like John Korea's stuff. He does a great job. That being said, though I'd answer those questions in class. And then I realized, well, this has taken up a lot of time and it's and we're not getting enough time for the handgun safety aspect of it. Some counties want you to at least touch on it. Other counties don't want you to touch on it at all. So I said, you know what, make a, let me make a separate course specifically for it. Now that class started out at four hours. And then I realized that ain't enough time. I could actually go six or eight hours on a use of force class, but now, now it's five hours and I'll do videos. I take some of the USCCA content and just talk about you know, the, the what ifs where people are, oh, what if somebody's in my front yard beating the crap out of my dog? Okay, well, let's talk about that. Is your dog a possession or is it a human? And then I'll apply it to the law and I'll show them the law in New York State and say, if you if you beat up somebody or shot somebody because they're beating up your dog, well, that is property and were you justified? Yeah. And then what about physical force? So I, I get into these what ifs, if you will, and kind of go down the rabbit trail, but then I revert it back to the law. And mm-hmm. if I can't, and if I can, I'll revert it back to actual cases like this person did this and they ended up getting charged well why'd they get charged well because they caused other people harm like there's one i tell the guy pulled a knife on somebody so the guy pulls his gun out and instead of pointing it at the guy and giving him commands he points it at the ground and shoots the shoots the ground right in front of the guy with a knife guy with a knife takes off guy puts his gun back calls the police calls 911 officers show up what happened blah 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 sir you're under arrest the judge revoked his pistol license because he could have caused harm to other people. He neg- negligently shot his gun into the ground. What if it was concrete or asphalt? Could have ricocheted, hit an innocent person. You know, and so I tell him, oh, wow, that's crazy. What could he have done? Well, he's justified in pulling the gun out and shooting the person because death or great bodily harm was imposed. But if he didn't want to shoot him, why didn't he want to shoot him? Because he was worried about killing him. So he thought maybe trying to wound them would be better. Well, people get caught up on the kill word, which I always tell, don't use that in your vocabulary, or they get caught up on the wound word. Then they forget about what's truly here at stake. And that's that middle section, which is, I just want to stop the threat. Mm -hmm. What's the best way to stop the threat? It might not be shooting a gun at all. Just pointing it at them, giving them verbal commands. Get away from me. Leave me alone. The guy runs away. Did you you accomplish the, the task of stopping the threat? Absolutely. The guy walks towards you or comes running at you with a knife, press the trigger. Were you justified? Absolutely. But people get caught up on, I don't want to kill them. Okay, well, that's your first first problem. You're worrying about killing, wounding somebody. Those two are two drastic sides of the, the spectrum. You want to stick in the middle. What do you need to do? The least amount of force you need to do to stop the threat. So I cover all of that using you know real life stories, case laws, what if, some of the USCCA stuff. To, to just drive the point home to my students. And uh, yeah, and, and I've gotten you know good uh, good content with it. I also do it online. And truly, I've had quite a few instructors that are, that are wanting to teach the 18-hour course. They're like, I don't want to touch on use of force. I don't have the background, the experience. And when they ask me questions, I'm going to be humming and hawing. So I've had some of them ask me if they could just send people from their classes to my five-hour use of force class. And then I give them a certificate. And then they'd apply that five hours to their 18 hours that they take with them. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to par- probably, I, I foresee myself partnering with a lot of instructors in New York state to fulfill that five hours of use of force or whatever they do, you know, they mm-hmm. deem in my mind, I think I can cover it in five hours. Yeah. Use, use of force is uh tricky because you, you've really got to go along and get people to understand not what they have seen on movies or yeah. people have, you know, told them, you know, the, the old adage of, you know, you know, shoot them outside and drag them into your house and then everything oh will be goodness. all right. Um, you know, and then you, you've got to take an unwind that because yeah. they've heard it for so many years 
why don't you want to do that? What's that going to, uh, how's that's going to, going to, uh, you know, shine light on them. And then, you know, and John Korea with active self-protection does a great job of analyzing videos because what, what happens, what could they have done better? You know, what, how could things have uh, turned out worse? And that's where you go, go along and really kind of understand it's like, okay, this happens, this happens, this is what they would do in the movies, but this mm-hmm. is what you really <laughs> want to do type of thing is one of the, one, I call it one of the tougher students I've taught just basic concealed carry, uh, had somebody whose garage was getting broken into, uh, frequently mm-hmm. they were pissed off about it. And they said in the concealed carry class that next time I get broken into, they were going to run out there and hold the person at, at gunpoint until the cops arrived. And what had to go along and unpack that because we've right. seen that in movies all the time. You know, the, the good guy goes out there and holds a bad guy for it. The cops come along, pat him on the shoulder, and you did a great job. And I yes. went along and had to point out, it's like, okay, you're in a house, you're safe. You can yeah. sit there and take pictures. You can go along and, you know, they're not, unless they're breaking down your door or anything, right. you know, there's no threat to you immediately. As soon as you go outside, you're expecting them to be by themselves. You know, how many criminals are going to be fair? You know, what happens if their True. friends come up? You know, what happens yeah. if there's two, three, four of them? And then at the same time, you're expecting when you go along and tell them freeze, you know, put your hands up that they're going to mm-hmm. obey what you're, what you're saying. And like, okay. If you've ever dealt with somebody who's in a either drug induced rage or they're in some kind of uh, psychotic uh, episode. So true. Logic and reality do not, you know, do not enter into their thinking. And that's where you could go along and get in a real bad situation. And I said, you know, yeah, I wouldn't like my lawnmower, my chainsaws, my weed whackers, you know, things like that to be stolen. But on the flip side of it, would it be better for them to be stolen than you go along and spend the next 10 years in jail? Exactly. Or yeah. you, you spend the next, uh, you know, couple months in the hospital because you got, you know, pummeled by their buddies that were outside and, right. you know, had a, had a bad a beat down. And then they mm-hmm. went inside your house and stole all the stuff in your house anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll say something to my students in a class to, to just, especially the use of force class. I always try to drive it home this way. You know, why are you here to get your pistol license? Why, why are you looking for this training? And majority, major majority of them usually say, well, to you know, protect myself and my family. Okay, so self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Your best way to preserve your life is don't be in the fight. So make good choices so that you don't put yourself in a situation where it might not go in your favor. You cannot guarantee that you're going to win that fight, nor can you guarantee that you have the skills or that the other person's not more skilled or there's more people. And then I'll, I'll further that and say this. I want everybody in the room to think of two people right now in your life that you care about deeply and that they care about you deeply. Got them? Okay. You're thinking about them, right? Two people that you care about deeply and they care about you deeply, right? Now you're dead. You're gone. Now they're emotionally and or financially devastated because you're no longer in their life. And why was that? Because of a TV road rage, somebody cuts you off, right? Mm -hmm. Stuff we can't take to the grave. Like all this tangible stuff that we're worried. Oh, how dare they? I paid good money for that TV. Who gives a crap? You can't take it to the grave. Neither can they. And you guys are fighting to the grave over it. That makes no sense whatsoever. There's nothing in this world worth dying for other than somebody you love. We're not in a civil war yet. There's nothing in this world worth dying for other than somebody you love. So make good choices so that you're around for those people that you love. Don't mm-hmm. be in the fight. Like John Farnham says, don't go to stupid places with stupid people at stupid times and do stupid things. Your life doesn't become stupid. Yep. I mean, that's, that's really good advice. Yeah. Andrew Bronco was on in episode two uh, and 
one thing I took away from that conversation is anytime you're involved in a violent confrontation, you have a greater than zero chance of death and bodily harm. That's, you know, that's why you're fighting for your life in those kind of situations. So if you can avoid mm-hmm. it, you have a hundred percent chance of survival. But if you're involved with it, you have a greater than zero chance of not seeing tomorrow. And as you said, you know, those two people that are depending upon you, um, you know, are going to be emotionally or, or financially wrecked because of, you know, your decision that day. Yeah. Um, and we just went, I used Wild Bill Hickok as an example. If, if nobody knows who he is or what, what was going on, Wild Wild West, really good shooter, et cetera, lawman. And uh, he was shot in the back. And that's where you get the, if you play cards, you've heard of the term aces and eights or a dead man's hand. That was the hand he was holding. Uh, we just went to Washington to visit our middle daughter. And on the way home, we stopped in Deadwood where he died. He was shot in the back. You know, I mean, the bad guy's not, it's not a fair fight, right? There's no ref. There's no ring. There's no timer. There's no rules. It's their convenience and your inconvenience. And they're going to do whatever they can do to try to get that upper hand. They're not going to ask you if it's okay to shoot you. They're not going to ask you if it's okay to punch you in the nose and take your hat. They're just going to do it without you expecting it. And at their convenience, they're, you know, they're, they're the scales on their side, if you will. So yeah, be, I always say be nice to everybody until it's no longer time to be nice. Right. Patrick Squazy roadhouse. Mm-hmm. More for those people that have kids, the little penguins from Madagascar, just smile and wave guys, just smile and wave. <laughs> yeah, that, that is for sure. Um, good conversation, Matthew. Um, one last question. And I sure. know that, um, you know, we don't get into politics too much on this uh, podcast, but I ask this question for you anyway. What can instructors do in order to reach out to legislatures and different things like that to obviously help influence uh, changes in the way the concealed carry law is written? Uh, Well, obviously, it starts locally, I would say, because usually, not usually, but there's a good chance that if somebody's a local politician, they'll have aspirations to move up the chain. So, you know, that's a good start. Get Know your local politicians. As people are running, hold them accountable. If, if somebody's running, try to get to know them while they're running and, and see what they say, watch how they vote, how they voted in the past, asking those questions. And then once they get elected, hold them accountable, you know, say, listen, this is what you told me prior to getting elected. You, you just voted on this bill that I would have never thought you would have voted on. And you kind of told me you wouldn't vote on anything like that, but you did. Why? And if they don't like bad press. So if they're giving you a bunch of, you know, just telling you what you want to hear, like, oh, well, I had to, there's a lot of pressure, bull crap. Have your, you have your morals, your ethics, stand your, stand your ground with your convictions. Then, uh, you know, then sometimes we got to put, you know, we got to move from that soapbox or get on that soapbox to let people know and, and tell them, say, listen, you voted like that. You vote like that again. Uh, I'm not going to vote for you and I'll be an advocate to get you out. Just like locally, John Catco here locally, you know, all the stuff he voted for toe in the line and he basically got shoved out of office. He, he said, I'm retiring because he wasn't going to get reelected. The major majority of the conservatives in our area said, no, don't care who gets in the office, but we don't want you in there. And, you know, so that's you got to really just have a conversation with them. Politicians. Nobody likes politicians. If I ever become a politician, you won't like me. I won't like me because you do have to make compromise. But the problem is that I think we've we on the conservative side, especially with the 2A community, we've compromised way too much. And I think it's coming to a head where we're just kind of putting our foot down saying, you know, enough's enough. Uh, especially in New York. I mean, look what we're dealing with here. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's it's lunacy that the governor would do this. And there's a lot of people I've talked to on the the liberal side that have said you know, she ain't going to win re-election because she's affecting a lot of people in New York that are good legal law-abiding gun owners. They're just good moral, prudent people. They just want to be left alone. And she's reaching into into our safes and taking our guns per se. Yeah. Well, that's always good alongside. I don't care whether you've got, you know, you call yourself Democrat, uh, Republican or independent, conservative or liberal. You know, there's a certain point to where you start um, crossing those lines. And that's where we need to go along. Make sh- hold the, hold the uh, uh, politicians accountable. I mean, it's great. You're a Democrat. It's great. You're a Republican. But how are you looking at and what are you doing that if, that is affecting my life and what they're doing now is one of those situations to where they really need to you know sit back and look at the lives they're affecting and at the same time and let's look at conversely they pass these laws quote unquote to make things safer but yeah. it's all these laws affect law-abiding people it doesn't affect right. criminals because criminals are aren't going to get, you know, use of force training. They're not going to go along and, and do, you know, live fire training, you know, legally, you know, all those types of things. So in in the end, um, they're not changing what the criminals are going to do. And that's where the, you know, the rubber kind of hits the road. Yeah. Well, it's just like in New York when they passed the ballistics vest bill, body armor bill, they, they didn't even include hard armor, you know, plate carriers, the Buffalo, New York shooter, mm-hmm. he had plate carriers on, but they, they use that shooting to pass the soft armor bill. It's like, wait a second. That wouldn't even have stopped him because you did. So now in the CCIA concealed carry improvement act that they just passed and that went through on September 1st, they finally included plate carriers. So it's like, oh yeah, yeah. We forgot to include that. It's like, they don't even know what they're doing. They, they don't, cons- a lot of these politicians don't consult the, you know, the lower, the lower individuals, like in New York state, a lot of these counties are saying, listen, this is going to affect us, but you didn't even come to the county clerks or the county sheriffs or the county DAs and say, Hey, give us, this is what we're going to do. Give us some feedback on it. They just rammed it through and said, Hey, we are the authority and you need to just make it happen. Quit your whining. What? You know, even on the lower level, like these counties, county judges, you, you, you'd think that the judges would reach out to the boots on the ground to the instructors and say, uh, hey, instructors, what are you seeing? What problems are you having? What can we do to make this better for you and for the citizens in our county? But no, they're just pushing things through and getting it wrong. A lot of counties are getting it wrong with the 16 hours and who can teach the course. And, you know, the my county's talking about turning sportsman restrictions, possibly. They haven't made it official yet. They're talking about making sportsman restrictions into premise licenses. I'm like, there's nothing ever been in the penal code about sportsmen. So you, you erroneously made that a, a, a decision from the the bench without even like, that's not even law. And now you're going to take it and make, say that their license that has a sportsman restriction is automatically now a premise. No, you should say their license now that's a sportsman restriction is invalid and it's a concealed carry, carry concealed license. And they have an unrestricted license is what they should do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, are they going to do that now? They're probably going to try to find a way to, to restrict it more. Definitely. Lots of, lots of good stuff. Um, instructors get out there, let your politicians know what your thoughts are for it. Um, because, uh, at some point we've got to point, uh, point out as Matthew has said that, you know, they're using tragic events to justify these, but, it, it, but conversely, nothing they're proposing it really would make any difference with, especially with the criminals. It's only going to be affecting law abiding. Well, Hey, Matthew, quick question for you. And sure. we're in season four and we've been asking our guests, you recommend an annual event that you think instructors should uh, check out? 
Oh, there's an awesome one that it's called the the Guardian Conference that uh, <laughs> concealed carry. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely the Guardian Conference. I haven't been to it yet. I've been wanting to get to it. Just schedules haven't worked out, but I'm I'm definitely putting on my calendar for next year. Uh, and then we're hosting uh, Mas Masadayub, uh, Clint Macro, my co-host on Meet the Pressers. Uh, we're hosting Masadayub for his Deadly Force Instructor and his Mag 20 course in November. So you can meetthepressers.com. That's up on the events page there. People can look into that more. But mm-hmm. highly suggest you know or events like like the guardian conference and then also obviously uh instructors national instructors like masada Ub that uh probably are going to retire at some point i would imagine yeah. i think he's in his 80s now right no 70s he's 74 oops <laughs> but sorry he, he, sorry moss he can't teach forever let's put it that way yeah and, and one i'll just put a quick plug one thing uh i will be at the guardian conference but you can get training on uh hand-to-hand um you know combat for it. you can get legal training because Andrew Bronco is going to be there. Um, you also have like OC spray um, available. Plus, you get medical training. I mean, with all this, uh, you know, everything New York State covered. One thing they didn't really go along realize that if you're going to go along and you know be in a violent confrontation, you probably need to know somehow about how to stop bleeding, how to go along and treat traumatic injuries. And that's that's where uh, they'll also be there as well as firearm training, obviously for it but uh guardian conference uh something to ch- uh, definitely check out and i will be there uh this year uh, awesome Ma- matthew where can people find more out about you and the classes you're teaching definitely so uh psned.com or better better yet spelled out it's public safety and education.com it's the the long form but that's my training company website and then definitely check out mine and clint macro show meet the pressers meet the pressers.com on all the social media youtube and such where we interview other pressers other trigger pressers other people that shoot guns everything from law enforcement to military to you know tv stars to people that have been in violent encounters and actually survived them so very cool very cool and matthew appreciate your time again to come on and update our instructors on the changes that are happening in new york state um and when they go along get changed as we probably all hope they will be um maybe we'll have you back on and we can talk through what those changes are going to mean to instructors also that sounds good i'd be glad to come back you have a good one you too thank you that's a wrap for this episode we hope you will share it with your friends if you have a topic you'd like to talk to me about know somebody i should interview Email your suggestions to me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. You can also leave us comments on our Facebook page or on our website at firearmtrainerpodcast.com. On our website, you can also listen to all our previous episodes. Remember, visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Establish your own business was your first step. Your next step should be getting FTA coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We bring this podcast support to the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every farm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.